Hey friend, thank you so much for listening once again to the broadcast. I've got another interesting question for you. How would you handle meeting somebody you've never met before here on earth, someone you didn't even know was a part of your family until maybe just a couple months, a couple of years ago, somebody that, from what you understand, loved you so much that they were willing to potentially adopt you before you were even born, how would you handle that kind of meeting? What would you be thinking? What, what thoughts would be running through your mind? Well, we have someone sitting here in the studio room right now, Brother Austin Marriott, someone that's felt those thoughts, that's thought those things. And he's going to explain a little bit of his adoption story today. Now, through the past, I don't know, five, six, seven days, he's brought us up to speed and we're now at a place where he's about to meet his paternal grandparents. It's amazing to know how God's hand is woven throughout this story. Brother Austin is the operations manager, lead designer at Bible Tracks, Inc. And this story, I think, if you allow it to, will have a great impact on your life. There's a piece of this story that I'm very excited for you to hear. And so I'm going to shut up and let him jump in. Give us, if you would, about a 45-second recap. Bring people up to speed if they haven't heard so far. Tell us where we're at in the story, and let's dive right in. All right. So uh, we have been talking about uh, my adoption story. I was adopted at the ripe old age of 18 hours old. 2008, my, my adopted mother passed away. Shortly thereafter, my dad gave me the contact information for my biological mother. And through that, uh, through that relationship growing and blossoming, uh, realizing and finding out that my paternal grandfather uh, was an independent Baptist preacher, Bible-believing preacher that wanted to adopt me. And uh, going through a long waiting period of prayer and research and trying to find out who he was, being able to reach out to him through a phone call. And uh, from that phone call, now we are to the point where he has called me back and has told me that they would like to come visit us in Illinois. And uh, so through that phone call, we said, of course, we'd love for you to come and meet us. And uh, so time progressed. It was in September, I believe, of 2017. Up until that point, I had not really heard uh, his side, I guess you could say. I hate to use that word, but really that's the only way to describe it. His his perspective of the story, I guess is probably the way to say it. And uh, he told me, he said, I'm just, I'm the kind of guy that likes to sit with someone and talk to them. Not, not over the phone. I like to be face to face. And so they came and uh, I'll never forget them pulling into our driveway and uh, seeing them for the first time, getting to embrace. That was a special, special moment. And uh, they came, they, they are the kindest, most just sweetest people I've ever met. Uh, they came bearing gifts and uh, they had all sorts of things. My, my grandmother is a, as she uh, describes herself as a Clarence shopper, <laughs> she buys all sorts of different things and, and goodies and whatnot. And they had these banana boxes of gifts. We got in and uh, exchanged pleasantries, I guess, just kind of small talk for a few moments. And then, and then they said, we want you to open these gifts. And so the kids opened first and then Rachel opened and just all sorts of different things that they'd gotten. And then uh, they said, I, we want you to open your box last. And so uh, I got to the box and opened it up. And on top of the box, 
uh, above all the other things that they were giving me, there was an envelope. And uh, my grandfather, uh, Papa, as we call him, Papa grabbed that and he said, uh, this is, this is, has a story behind it. And I want to, I want to tell that to you, but after, so I went through all the things he gave me books and he gave me one of his Bibles and gave me uh, knives and, a, and a, a pistol and all, just all sorts of things, just amazing, a myriad of things of gifts. And uh, it was just incredible, overwhelming. And then after all the gifts were exchanged, he said, uh, now I, I want to share with you my perspective of the story. And he said, when word came at the time, his son was not living at home. Uh, he had been moved out on his own and word came through the evangelist girls home director called my father, my grandfather and said, you know, uh, one of the girls here has gotten pregnant and uh, we believe uh, we our understanding is that your son is the father. And uh, he said, uh, you know, so I, I called my son and, and we talked through it and he denied it. And I said, OK, well, if, it, if it's not, there's ways to prove that. Let's do that. And, and he refused to, to do that. And he said, when it when it became apparent that uh, my son was not going to fulfill uh, his duties as a father, uh, like he had been raised to do, uh, he said, uh, it, I I had this just deep well within me that it was now my responsibility. I was supposed to 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 do that. He said, so we reached out. We tried to do everything that we could. We tried to help in any way that we can. Uh, my grandmother is a uh, accomplished seamstress and. So she would make clothes for for her, for my my biological mother, and do these different things. And they they were trying to be a help and a blessing. And and then word came, as we've already shared in the story, that uh, my mom left the uh, girls' home area, and moved to Arkansas. So word came that she was leaving. But uh, when the word came, they had no idea where she was going. And so as he's telling me the story, he said, "So I reached out to a, a dear friend of mine, Doctor Ron Garris, and I asked him to find out where." where where she had moved to and i said hold on i said i said dr ron garris i said was he with the gentleman with rock of ages and he said well yeah and i said well ron garris is like a grandfather to my wife her him and his wife miss judy would come and uh spend thanksgiving and christmas with with the woodward family for many years spend several weeks with them and not only that, Miss Judy Garris is the one that I called to try to find my grandfather. So it was absolutely incredible to hear of this man who I knew personally and Rachel knew, I guess you'd say intimately, uh, had, an, had a part of my story as before I was even born that we never even knew. And so he said, well, I, I called him and he uh, he reached out and tried to figure some things out and uh, he came back to me and he actually wrote a letter and a later I'm jumping way ahead in the story, but I'll come right back. Uh, my grandfather gave me that letter. I have that letter that Dr. Ron Garish wrote to my grandfather. So I wrote him a letter and said, you know, it's been decided that, uh, it's in the best interest of, uh, the young lady and the child that you, you guys have no contact, uh, that, that you don't know where she is. And, uh, my papa said, you know, I, I didn't know what to do with that. He said, in my heart, it was my responsibility to, to care for them, to help, to, to be that fatherly figure, if you will. He said, I didn't know what to do. Uh, word came that she was going to put the child up for adoption. And again, they reached out and said, I, I want to adopt. We want, we want the child. And, and that 
again, rejection. He said, I, he said, I went to God and I love the way he tells it. He said, I, I don't know how you talk to God. He said, but this is what I said. I said, God, I can't handle this. He said, God, how am I supposed to pastor? How am I supposed to help others when I can't get through this situation in my life? I'll never forget. He said, God, he said, it wasn't an audible voice, but God made such an impression on my heart. He said, Larry, he said, every time you find a dime, a 10 cent piece. Back in those days, we used a whole lot more cash than we do today. He said, whether you come across it on the ground, you find it, someone dropped it. Whether you come across it in your change, however you come across a dime, every time you hold one in your hand, I want you to pray for the young lady and pray for the child. And Grandpa said, he said, I, I can't explain it. Just a peace came over me that that was my mission. And he said, that's what I did. I did it for years. He said, I didn't really tell anyone about it. Mama eventually knew, but he said, I, I would collect these dimes. I would, I would put them, collect them on my dresser. And as they, the, the pile grew, I would, back then you had to roll your own uh, coins and he'd roll them up in a, in a, in a dime roll and he'd take it to the local credit union and put it into a savings account. He said, I, I, I continued to do that for years and years and years. As he's sitting there telling me this story, my mind is just reeling. I'm just bawling, thinking about this man that I've never met before in my life praying for me. He said, word came that the child was born and all we knew was that you were a boy. That's it. That's all we ever knew. And I just continued this path that God had laid out to pray for you every time I found a dime. He said when... You called, and when the decision was made to come meet you, Mama looked at me and said, well, what are you going to do about those dimes? And he said, I looked at her and I said, those dimes are Austin's dimes. And he looked at me and he said, Austin, in this envelope here is a bank check of all the dimes that I collected as I prayed for you. I remember there was a, a friend, a dear friend of ours, dear friend of my mom's, that told me that there was many, on multiple occasions, my mom would make this statement about me. She would look at her friend and say, you know what? Someone's praying for that kid. How prophetic she was without even knowing I was telling this story to a friend of mine, and he, he looked at me, and he said, you know, I can only believe that this is the kind of God that we serve, that there was a day in your life as a child or as a young teenager that you were having a rough day. And God looked down and said, you know what? Papa needs a dime today. And dropped a dime somehow across his path, and that man prayed for me. He handed me that envelope. I opened it up. And then it was a check for $1,200. We do the math representing 12,000 prayers that he prayed for me. Never knowing who I was. Never knowing where I was. But he prayed. Prayer works. 
prayer can do miraculous things. And I challenge you today, how's your prayer life? What is it that you're about to give up on in praying? God, I've prayed thousands of times for this with no response. I'd encourage you to pray once more. Pray again. God will answer that prayer. All I can say is amen. If you're listening right now, I hope you'll take a moment and apply these things to your life. Now, the story isn't over. We've only got two days left in the week, and you're going to want to tune in. We we're hitting some highlights, some amazing things, some tender moments, but I'm going to ask you, come with us to the conclusion of Austin's story. Have a great day for his glory. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.